Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Keisha Rajani on the show. Keisha is the founder and creative director of Curated Giftables. Keisha is passionate about building and strengthening relationships through gifting. After enjoying a 15-year career in marketing communications, she launched her company that specializes in large-scale custom gifting for businesses and events, primarily serving California's Central Valley. Keisha is actively engaged with every part of her business operations from client communication to designing and assembling gifts. Her expertise in curating products that are thoughtfully chosen to fit a brand aesthetic or event theme, paired with her creative eye for design, result in beautifully presented gifts that leave a lasting impression. As a graduate of the University of Alabama, Keisha loves to cheer on the Crimson Tide. When she isn't tying bows, you can find her enjoying the local restaurant scene and indulging in craft cocktails with friends, or exploring new cities and cultures with her husband. I had a wonderful time talking with Keisha about the art of giving good gifts, and I know you'll learn a lot from this conversation. Let's go meet Keisha, and Baker will take us there. Waves on infinite quests, investigating, making convos to elevate guests. Politics, religion, culture, art, music, show some respect to the best. Little city left in the U.S. Fresno's best. Fresno's best. Keisha, where do you like to eat in Fresno? So I would say besides gifting, eating out is like my next favorite thing to do. And so for a date night, I love cracked pepper, Annex Kitchen, Tabachines. I do really love Trilio and Clovis as well. For casual eats, I love a good sandwich. And so for me, it's either Moto or Labu in Fig Garden. I do love the salads from Heirloom as well. Okay. So well, I've, I've been to all those except Tabachines. What, what do you, what, what is that place and what do you like about it? Oh, it's great. It's Mexican food, but it's kind of, I would say an elevated Mexican. It's, they've got great cocktails. I love their margaritas, just a nice vibe, really cool ambiance, the best guacamole. You should try it. You'll like okay. it. What's, yeah. what, what's, what's an entree you like there or, or something that you order there? One thing I do like is that they change out the menu because they incorporate a lot of whatever is in season. So it's kind of a farm to table. The enchiladas are good. If you see those on the menu, I would recommend those. Fabulous. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. We've got a lot of things to talk about related to gifts. And as I will make clear in this, this is a skill that after I got married, I had to learn to improve upon. And so I have a, <laughs> I have a number of personal anecdotes that are related to questions. Uh, but before we do that, I wanted to kind of pull back a little bit on your career and talk to you about communications and marketing to start. So before you started your business, you worked in various capacities with different orgs around town. Can you talk about some of the differences, for example, how you thought about developing communication goals between someone like Schneider versus someone like Majory Mason? Yeah. So my background in marketing and communications was specifically more project management roles. And so typically I was leading a creative team, either in-house or working with an outside agency. And so it was really fun to kind of see the group come together. We would work together with the writers and the graphic designers and kind of dream up all this creative magic, which was, you know, it was great. I love the variety of work, of course, coming from Pelco, Schneider Electric with security cameras and totally different industry to Marjorie Mason Center, which was the nonprofit world. So things were different, but I feel like the principles and the foundations of communication are all kind of the same. It's just applying them to different industries. Okay. So for you, what is, what is effective communication in those two 
different industries? What does it mean to you? Yeah, a lot of it just kind of depends on the goals of the organization. For example, working at a nonprofit, my a lot of my work was revolving around development and trying to help with fundraising. And so I was communicating a lot with the donors and I was hosting events and really trying to build and develop relationships in that way. At Pelco, a lot of it was more sales-based, working with their marketing and sales teams to work with all the different distributors of their products. And so obviously a very different audience. And so you kind of had to gear the communication depending on who you're talking to. Fair enough. The last position before you started your own business was at uh, California Health Sciences University. Now, I'd heard the name before, but I didn't really know specifically. So um, I'm curious if you could explain exactly kind of what the university is and the kind of clientele it's serving. And then what's your perspective on the state of universities right now? Yeah, that's a great question. I really love my time at California Health Sciences University. When I started there, they had just recently launched their pharmacy school program. They've since launched an osteopathic medicine school program. And although the research is kind of showing that there might be a decline in university enrollment, uh, with the need for healthcare, though, it's a little bit different. So as you may know, in the Central Valley, we're really struggling for healthcare providers and trying to do as much as we can to get more people um, to serve patients in the Valley. And so by having a med school right here, the idea is that they can locally recruit people that are local to become the next generation of healthcare providers. And so they will actually have their first graduation this summer or for their first class of osteopathic doctors that are going into the workforce. So that's super exciting to kind of see that impact that that's had. Fabulous. Now, at some point, you decided to strike out on your own, start your own business. And I know when people are starting their own business, they can describe it kind of like uh, jumping out of an airplane, thinking your parachute might work. Can you talk about like a process of coming to that decision and like the impetus to finally make the move? Yeah, that's a great question. It's really funny because that's exactly how I would describe it too. I've always dreamed of having a gift shop and there are already so many local amazing gift shops that I love to support. But during the pandemic, I noticed that gifts were really used a lot to help build relationships, especially for businesses because nobody could meet face to face. And so I thought it would be a great opportunity to bring a custom gifting service to the Central Valley that really focused on like large scale gifting for corporate clients or for events. And it kind of just one of the one of those things I was turning 40 that year. And I thought if I don't jump off and start my own business now, I'll never do it. And so obviously, prior to starting the business, I had a lot of experience in marketing and communications, and specifically project management, which was really great, because being very deadline driven and managing projects from start to finish, really lent itself well to doing gift planning and production. And so I love that I get to use the creative side of my brain with figuring out gift design and the layout of a gift. It's all about the different products and the colors and the shapes and the textures and how that gift comes together. And yeah, I just feel like this was my calling. I just kind of thought, well, why not? We'll, we'll do the parachute thing. We'll jump off, see how it goes. And two years later, I'm still doing it and learning and moving along. And it's been a really great experience. Fantastic. So let's go ahead and get into gifts. So gifts for me, I, I, I've kind of evolved. I came from a family where gifts were kind of 
just something that you kind of do as kind of a perfunctory, like this is just something you give a gift for an event and there's some thought into it. And then I married into a family where gifts were very important <laughs> and uh, we had to kind of merge these cultures. Um, and so then I had to really try to understand a, a different family's philosophy on gift giving. So I guess my question in that roundabout way is what is, what is your philosophy on gift giving? Like, how do you think about it? Why is it important? How do you think about who you should give a gift and why those kinds of things. Yeah. So it's funny. I feel like gifts can just be used to say a lot of different things, right? Everything from welcome, thank you, even I'm sorry. And so personally, I love to use gifts as a communication tool. Um, I feel like it's just something nice to do. It leaves a great impression. They say that people make a first impression within seven seconds of meeting you. So showing up with a gift in hand and a smile goes a long way in their impression of how they perceive you and what they um, feel about you. And so I use that a lot in my my personal life. And it just personally brings me joy to give gifts too. I'm just one of those people that really enjoy that feeling of doing something nice for somebody else, which sounds a bit cheesy, but that's just kind of the person that I am. Mm. So in your personal life, what, what are, what are the ingredients of a good gift? Like, how do you, how do you distinguish between a good and a bad gift? Yeah, there's lots of different philosophies about that. And it kind of depends on who the recipient is. And so if it's somebody that's very similar to me, I'll pick a gift that's something that I would enjoy because I know that that's, that might be something that they would be into as well. If it's somebody that I don't know as well, a lot of times I'll do a little bit of research and I'll try to figure out like, oh, what's their favorite wine? What's their favorite place to eat? What are they, if they have any hobbies or something that they enjoy doing in their... And it's really all about kind of curating something that's personal. And I think a lot of people love the personal touch. That feeling that somebody's gone out of their way to do something special for you goes a long way. And just kind of thinking about what, what is something that they may not necessarily buy for themselves, but if they got it, it would be a really fun treat that they would enjoy. Hmm. Is there such thing as a bad gift giver, even if they're well-intentioned, do you think? <laughs> Who is a thought that counts? But. <laughs> but. You're making me laugh because I'm thinking of, I've got a group of girlfriends and we do a white elephant um, Christmas gift exchange thing. And there is a cat wine bottle holder that keeps on coming back year after year. <laughs> that's a bad gift. But I don't know, to somebody that loves cats and wine, maybe that's a great gift for them. There's always uh, the perfect gift for everybody. <laughs> okay. So in your mind, it's, it's, there isn't really like an identity or like something that's internal to people that makes them a bad gift giver. It really just depends on the gift they're giving. Is that what you're saying? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense to me. And that's good from my perspective. Uh, what's your perspective on homemade gifts? Again, it depends on the recipient and the occasion. So typically- I'm thinking like, of like grandma's knitted sweaters, but I'm also <laughs> thinking of like, you know, people that design their, I don't know, like I- it's 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 hard with homemade gifts because you can feel the intention there, yeah. but at the same time it's homemade. So it seems like it's kind of a weird, a weird space, homemade gifts. Definitely. I would say for your neighbor and if it's the holiday time and maybe like a fresh loaf of baked bread, or if they're, I, I know someone else that makes limoncello and that's like their specialty thing and everybody really enjoys it and looks forward to it. And so if there's something that kind of is a 
piece of your identity or something that you're known for or something that people will remember you by. You know, I think that's kind of like a nice, again, personal touch to give a gift like that. But grandma's sweater, I mean, <laughs> that that's one of those things that when she's no longer here, you'll really cherish that, right? And mm. you'll appreciate that. Maybe if a blanket is more useful than a sweater, you can drop some hints about to grandma what you might like. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it depends on the occasion and the person. How do you think about the different kinds of gifts, though, that we give? You know, there's all these different situations that require gifts. You got holiday gifts, you got birthday gifts, you've got corporate gifts, which we're going to talk about in a second here. Is there different philosophies with each of them, or is it, it kind of a similar approach with each? I would say similar approach. It just also depends on how close you are with that recipient. So a birthday gift for an acquaintance may be obviously a little bit less than a birthday gift for your best friend. I do also like to incorporate experiences into gifts as well. We're kind of living in a culture where everyone feels like they've got a lot of stuff. And so yeah. really being selective with what you give, I think is important and being very thoughtful and intentional with your giving. Yeah, I have, uh, having worked in education for a long time, I have about 10,000 mugs. And every time someone gives me a new mug, I'm just like, thank you. And so I've started, started, (laughs) so I've got, uh, obviously our cupboard is full at home. And then there's like a kitchen at my workplace and that's full now. So now I'm just going to start going into random people's houses and filling their (laughs) pantries and cabinets with mugs because I have so many. One thing that's hard for me, wrapping, wrapping gifts. And I was for a long time because of my chromosome and which family I grew up in, bags were my easy way out. So I just stuffed bags full. But then when I got married, I learned that bags are not the right way to package a gift. So I had to learn wrapping techniques. I've spent a long time on YouTube. I don't know if my I don't know if my skills have improved. I think they've improved, but it's kind of hard to say. I still get those little crinkles on the edges. Do you think it affects a gift uh, or a gift is affected if it's poorly wrapped? You know, um, going back to the first impressions thing, <laughs> but I wouldn't say judge a book by a cover. So I would, you know, if it's a horribly wrapped gift, but you never know what's inside, it could be something really awesome, right? So I'm not opposed to gift bags. I feel like, especially if it's an awkwardly shaped item, then gift bag is definitely like the right round. Do you, what would you do with a round object? A round item? I would probably use a gift bag for that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Have you ever wrapped a round thing? I, I tried that one time and it just... Two hours later, I was like, it's 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 a wrap. I'm not, you know, no pun intended. I'm not doing this. Yeah. You, you know what's funny? I follow a lot of people on Instagram that are kind of like gift wrapping experts, if you will. And they show a lot of different ways that you can gift wrap awkwardly shaped items. So I get a lot of inspiration from there. You can do the, the thing where you kind of twist the ends and looks like a big kind of piece of candy or something. Um, Mm. But there are ways to get creative with it. But um, I will say double-sided tape is your best friend. That definitely makes a gift look really crisp and clean, nice, sharp edges. And good pair of scissors with some nice satin ribbon will take you a long way. Mm. Well, that's helpful. Do you, are there certain kinds of paper you prefer to use when you're wrapping things? I know that there's a whole ecosystem of wrapping paper out there. I do love good wrapping paper. Oh my gosh. I can. Well, how do you distinguish it? How do you pick it out? What What is good wrapping paper? Thick, thick, beautiful paper. I love going to Paper Source and Fig Garden and looking at the selection there. Some of them are really nice handmade papers, hand painted. Mm. Uh, rifle paper makes some really great gift wrap. Sugar Paper LA does too. 
yeah, I could go on forever about that. I'm definitely one of those people that appreciates a pretty, pretty rad well, job. Well, well, dig in for a second. What What is it about thicker paper that works for you? It just feels luxurious in the hand as you're unwrapping mm -hmm. it. Just feels like nice quality. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you need to know a person in order to give a good gift? I mean, it's helpful. I feel like the more you know somebody, the easier it is to know what they like and what they would enjoy. I, because I sometimes I get put in secret Santas at work, and <laughs> you'll have, and it'll be like some person that works across the campus, and like I vaguely know them, and then they put a list of things, and that's actually kind of leads me to my next question because this is this is an ongoing debate in the world of gift giving lists, especially for holidays. Like people will make lists as a way to kind of circumvent bad gifts. But then if you just go through and you systematically order gifts from a list, it doesn't feel like gifts anymore. Are, are, are you on the same page with me or do you have a different take? No, I totally get what you're saying. I, I come across this a lot with especially weddings and babies where people are registering for, for items, right? And it does feel a little bit transactional where it's like, you're buying something off their registry. But the thing is, for me, I would pr always prefer to give something that people are going to use. I'm all about practical gifts and I want them to use it and enjoy it. So it actually makes it a lot easier if I know what they want rather than right. me trying to guess what they want. And especially like with like, let's say it's a couple that's getting married. Their home is very personal to them, right? And so I want to be able to give them something that they will enjoy and and it fits their vibe of their home or their aesthetic or their, you know, lifestyle. So I always find it's kind of helpful. Yeah. Let, okay. So let me, let me kick you a hypothetical here. Let's say your friend's getting married. You go on their registry. You know, I don't, I, I think is Bed Bath & Beyond closing in Fresno or something. I heard that or, or they're going, or they're, they're combining with one of those online emporiums anyway. Yeah. So they registered at one of those big box stores and they put an immersion blender on there you go into the big box store and you see the immersion blender and it's kind of like a, eh, a more immersion blender. And you see right next to it, there's a, a slightly nicer one that's maybe just not what they asked for specifically. But like, oh, they would benefit by having this slight upgrade. Would you get the thing that they put on their list or the thing that you know would be better fit? Oh, oh my gosh. I would probably stick to the list because I feel like there must have been a reason why they put that specific mm. one on there. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess if you wanted to take a gamble and go with the upgrade, you definitely could. And they could always return it and exchange it for the one they actually wanted. But I feel mm. like if they've already put on the list, that's what they want. I would just stick with the list. Fair enough. Okay. Let's talk about corporate gift giving because this is a whole different universe now. So what are the main differences between corporate gift giving and personal gift giving? So really, it's just corporate gifting is on a larger scale, right? Because it's going to be the same gift times 100 or 200 or however many people you're giving to. It does need to have a little bit more of a wide appeal, right? Because you've got lots of different people in the corporate world that you would be giving to. So it's kind of like finding that balance between something that does fit a lot of different types of people, but not completely generic to where it's like how you were saying with your situation of a cabinet full of teacher mugs. Yeah. So can you give an example of something that is like broad enough to reach a group of people that are heterogeneous and then, but also not so broad that it's like a bunch of mugs? Yeah. So my go-to is always 
the food and beverage category, because I feel like food always brings people together. And a lot of people now are doing gifts that can be enjoyed outside of the office at home when they're entertaining family and friends. Um, the charcuterie theme is always a very tried and tested gift category that a lot of people who doesn't like a good charcuterie board, right? And there's lots of different things there that you can do with gifts, with the board, with a nice set of cheese knives. You could even incorporate local products if you wanted to add lavash crackers or some nuts or dried fruit, lots of different kind of, it's got a lot of like flexibility and different options there that you can give. But to your point with the, the mugs, coffee is always a great gift too. There's a lot of like local coffee roasters and people love to do that, maybe paired with some granola or breakfast things, a pancake mix. Again, things that they can enjoy at home with their family, uh, with their friends. I feel like those gifts are always very popular and have wide appeal. Okay. I did a little research on corporate gift giving and the industry specifically. And I'll a lot of the articles I read said it's growing at a pretty high rate. Uh, corporate gift giving is an industry that's expanding. Why do you think that is? What, what's your read in talking with clients about why they're doing this? Is it employee retention because of like, I, I forget, they're not calling it the the great resignation now. They're calling it something else. They, they've reinvented the term to make it sound less bad. But is that why it's happening or is there another reason? there's a couple of different reasons. One is definitely employee retention, right? Employers are having to work so hard now to keep good employees happy. And so letting them have a hybrid schedule or like showering them with gifts, or even now a lot of companies are doing providing food or snacks at the, at the office. 8% of employees that have received an appreciation gift report increased job satisfaction. And so giving a gift, again, is just another great way to show your appreciation and show that you um, are committed to them. And then I think the other reason is for just inboxes are so flooded with emails now and people are just looking for another way to grab someone's attention. And so people that are sending gifts, not just to employees, but also to their clients, to their partners, to vendors that they work with, anyone that helps their business to succeed, those that are sending referrals. And so by sending a gift to them, it's a great way to kind of stay top of mind and stand out from the flood of emails and really kind of get noticed. A lot of people, especially you work in sales, you show up to the office with a gift in hand, you're more likely to kind of get five minutes of attention from somebody that you're wanting to meet with rather than sending lots of unanswered messages. Yeah. Well, it definitely makes people feel seen. And I think, I think that's part of the reason uh, why it's effective and why it's needed is that a lot of people right now just don't feel seen. Uh, they don't feel seen by their employers. They don't feel seen, you know, sometimes by their spouses or their friends a lot of people staring at phones and gifts are tactile. You know, you can touch them, you can hold them. You know, it's something that reaches out outside of the digital space, like you're describing, that can create a meaningful moment with somebody. So I, I, I get what you're saying. And I think it, it's definitely what I was also thinking. Now, we're about to jump into my favorite section, which is called overrated versus underrated. I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff at you. You tell me whether you think they're over or underrated and why. Uh, we'll start with the one I ask everybody, Me and Ed's Pizza, over or underrated. 
Gosh, you know what? I haven't been to Mia and Ed's in a long time. If I'm craving pizza, it'll be a Nesso, 100%, only because I really love to have a good craft cocktail with my pizza. Mm -hmm. um, and so Mia and Ed's isn't my typical go-to. But if I am in the mood for a fast food kind of pizza, I love uh, curry pizza. Have you tried that one? Oh, yes. Butter chicken pizza. That is the way to go. <laughs> That's where it's at. Yeah. I've heard, and I haven't seen it yet, but apparently there's someone in town that's doing fried butter chicken sandwiches. So it's like deep fried chicken with like the butter chicken, like cur a gravy, excuse me, uh, on a sandwich. I feel like I might just keel over if that touched my mouth though. Okay, <laughs> next one, obscurely scented candles like pistachio. Interesting. I think for gift giving, something that's a more neutral scent is probably got a wider appeal. But I will say that, again, there's a time and a place for a pistachio candle. I actually sourced gifts for a pistachio processor, and we did a completely pistachio themed gift box. And we included <laughs> a pistachio candle in there with some custom made caramel popcorn with pistachios in it and some pistachio chocolate. So definitely, if it's for the right recipient, that might make sense. But if you're looking for wide appeal, probably something that's a little bit lighter scent or non-scented is maybe preferable. Mm, I understand. Next one, living in Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide, so much fun. Under, is, we're doing overrated or underrated, yes, right? Yes, yes, which one Under, is it? Underrated. That okay. it's, such, it's the best college town. I had so much fun in my years that I was at Alabama. Of course, life revolves around football there, but it, it was a great college experience. Okay. And what, what are, what are the feelings of someone that's an alum watching Nick Saban leave? Like, can you describe emotionally your process and journey through that? It's sad, but I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm glad that he is retiring. He's done a really great job with our football program. I'm excited to see what the new coach will do, but he's got big shoes to fill. I hope that, you know, Saban nation is hard to beat. Right. But mm -hmm. it was been fun with him coaching the team. Did you go to football games while you were in college? I did. Yeah. Okay. What are, What is it like in person? I've never been to one of those. You know, I, I tell my, I got been telling my husband that we need to go to a football game because I want him to experience an Alabama Auburn once in his life. It's electric. I mean, just the atmosphere, the, you're just kind of walking around the stadium and the noise and the smells and the everything. It's just, there's nothing like a game day in the South. Mm, yeah. I need to go to one. Uh, next one, uh, the launch Central Valley class at FPU. Yeah. Was that over well, or underrated? Underrated. I want to tell more people about that. They've got a great program there. If you're wanting to get into entrepreneurship, I would definitely recommend signing up for that class. It's even through Zoom, so you don't need to go in person. But each week, they kind of focus on a different area of your business. And then at the end of it, you'll have developed your business plan. They do a lot to support you and connect you with the right people. I highly, highly recommend participating in that. Mm, okay. Next one's another one from the South. Grits, over or underrated? You know, overrated. <laughs> For me, it's a bit of a texture issue. I don't love grits and I don't really see that there's a lot of nutritional value in it either. <laughs> so it's a pass for me. Is it Was it a staple for a lot of people in the South? Was that your experience or is it just kind of a stereotype of us coastal people? No, it is definitely a staple, especially like Louisiana and that kind of area. It's a breakfast food. I mean, they'll eat shrimp and grits or grits and biscuits. And I don't know, it's not for me. Mm, okay. Next one, edible arrangements. Um, Gift items at workplaces. They'll show up. It'll be yeah. a big bouquet of fruit. They'll be like, oh my God, someone got us an edible arrangement. 
I don't have an opinion over or underrated. I do feel like as long as it's fresh fruit and it's, I mean, it is a great shareable gift, right? To put in the break room if if that's something that the employees there would enjoy. It's a healthy treat. I mean, at least there, it's something that people might go for if they're not wanting chocolates or cookies or all the sweet things that usually come, especially at the holidays. Next one. There's a lot of online kind of, I don't want to call them competitors because you're in a very specific place doing uh, the work that you do, but there's a lot of them. And one of them is called Sugar Wish and apparently is one of those online, they just, a company will come in, type in some information, and then they'll craft something for them, kind of mass market produce and send it off. Do you think those are a good thing for the industry or do you think they're not that great? I think it depends on the client's needs. I think a lot of clients come to me because they're looking for to work with somebody who's local and they a lot of the clients want locally sourced gift items as well. And I feel like that might be something that some of the bigger companies may not be able to provide. And of course, giving great customer service as well. So every business kind of has its positives and negatives. I feel like maybe, I, I don't know that about much about this sugar wish one that you're specifically talking about, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a feeling either way about that one. Yeah. I think, I think some people want a local touch and then some people just want, yeah. you know, and I think, I think it's just personal preference. All right. Next one. Uh, cash gifts over or underrated, just straight cash. I, oh gosh, these are really tough. Mm -hmm. I don't mind it. I, I just feel like you might be losing a little bit of the personal touch, but on the receiving end, I mean, who doesn't like cash, right? I mean, it's like, Everyone's got that family member that gives that envelope. And I, you know, I mean, I love, I, I love cash, you know, as a gift, but it also feels less intentional. Like, like that person that always gives gift cards or, or different things like that. You know what I mean? And so I, I was, I was curious to see, hear your perspective on something that's kind of a neutral gift. Being Indian, and I, I know a lot of people in Asian cultures do this at the Chinese New Year, they also do this. It's giving the red envelope is you know, it's what's done. It's what's been done for many, many years. And it's part of their tradition. So typically at Indian weddings, they'll always give cash. It's just, it's kind of a thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I guess if it's an appropriate, it's appropriate for the occasion. Okay. Go for it. Next one, a, a local business in Clovis, the Foundry. I love the Foundry. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite places to shop for gifts Love their selection of stuff. I also love Shop at the Avenue, Vertily, and so many great s s local gift shops to support here. Mm. Let's say, and this is not over underrated, but let's just say you've got a person who's wandering into Shop at the Avenue, like I've done around the holidays, and perusing for a gift for a significant other, and maybe doesn't. There's a lot of things that could fit in there. Do you have like strategies if you're walking into a boutique store and you're not used to being in that space like how to look for something uh, and obviously i'm not giving information about who you're buying for um but there i think there probably is some broad principles of like things to look for in a store for a holiday gift i would always just talk to the salesperson and ask them what are their hottest selling items or what's really popular right now and they can usually put you in the right direction i feel like they'll also share like what's their newest inventory that they just got in or what are some kind of unique gift items that they might have and so i always find like that's always helpful to mm. know i've got this pendulum in my mind where it's like i i think about when i'm in the when i'm at shop at the avenue like i could do one big splash item <laughs> Or I could do a small collection of like 
great smaller items. And I'm always waffling between these two poles. And I typically err on the side of the small items just out of a fear of like venturing out and risking something that's larger. I'm thinking of like some large ceramic piece or like something like that, where it's like, this is a big statement item and she may or may not like it. Whereas if I get these like little candle holders and these very cute spoons, like the, the risk, she might like half of them, but then at least I was successful in some way. What would you advise me? I always love to go to versatility is, is my favorite thing. So if it's a gift that can be used in several different ways, I love to give a platter or any things that are great for entertaining or hosting, but I see this a lot as well. People going toward a very minimalistic lifestyle now. So they do prefer one big thing versus lots of little things. You just got to make sure that the one big thing is something that they're going to appreciate and something that they like, but again, depends on how well that person Fair enough. Okay. Let's uh, jump out of that section and talk about process and services. I want to talk about your process to start. You have a three-stage process. When you're sitting with someone works at a business or corporation in town, and they're just really not sure what they want to do, they don't give you a ton of direction. What kinds of questions do you ask them to probe? And what do you look for in their answers uh, to find what gift would be a good fit for their company? That's a great question. I always say the more information that they can share with me, the the better I can kind of nail a good gift for them. And so we talk a lot about their gifting goals. Like first, I want to know what's the purpose of this gift? Why? What are you hoping to achieve by giving this gift? Because by identifying what their goals are and why they're wanting to give it, that really helps me kind of figure out, okay, this is the kind of area that we're, we're working towards. This is, these are the goals that we're wanting to meet. Can Uh, I pause you real quick? Cause I'm curious about this. Like, because in my mind, I'm just like, the purpose is to make people happy, but you know, in your mind, you probably have, there's a number of different purposes here that could exist. You know, maybe the company is struggling or went through a round of layoffs and everyone's spirits are down, or maybe they're expanding and they want to reward people for the work. So like, what are different kinds of purposes you encounter? Yeah. For employee gifting, it could be to boost morale. It could be to boost productivity. They may not be happy about having to come back to the office after they've been working remotely for a couple of years, right? And so it might be some kind of incentive to lure them back in or get them excited about coming back to the office. So there's always some kind of reason behind, right? And on the sales side too, it might be a a client that you're potentially wanting to do business with. So you're trying to warm them up a little bit or grab their attention. It could be an appreciation gift. You're just wanting to thank them for their business and stay top of mind. So hopefully they'll continue to send you referrals and help kind of develop or build that relationship. Okay. And then what do you look for in their answers that helps you find that? Are you are there certain things, certain clues that, that they give you that lead you to a specific gift? Or is it more just you come up with a broad the broad purpose, and then that, then you give them an array of options and then they choose. Yeah. So that's exactly right. Come up with a broad purpose. And then I kind of take that information and I'll mix it with the other knowledge that I know about who are the recipients, how many gifts they need, their budget, their deadline. I always like to ask too, what's been given in the past so that I don't kind of curate a gift that's already been done before. And then we also talk about what the gift should communicate. So I always tell my clients, make sure that you use your gift as a communication tool. And a lot of people miss that or don't understand that, but really like, let's say diversity and inclusivity are important to that brand. Then let's create a gift that includes products that are from minority owned businesses. There's a lot of like missed opportunity there to actually share about your company culture or your mission or your vision through the gift 
item itself. And then of course, on the note tag or the gift cat, the gift tag, you can add additional messaging, but I always try to ask those questions so I can kind of get them thinking along those lines. There's like, there's a famous kind of saying that like 20% of your clients give you 80% of your work, meaning that some of your more difficult clients end up taking a lot of your time. How, how often do you have to do revisions and how often do you have to just kind of keep coming back to the well to try to meet a specific or difficult client's need? Is that something you encounter a lot or is it mostly smooth sailing? Well, it does happen occasionally, but most of the time I'll propose three or four different options and they'll pick one of those and we'll run with it. There are occasions where we work on making changes, adding or removing items, depending on maybe we need to work on their budget a little bit. So we need to take a couple of items out or switching the packaging. Maybe it's like a different ribbon color or something like that. But I'm happy to work back and forth with those changes until we build the perfect gift because I want it to be something that they're happy with and something that they feel prideful to give. Mm. Who are, who are typically your point people in companies? Are you working with like operations people? Are you working with the marketing team or, you, or the development team or human resources? Like who who's your usual go-to in a business and how does that affect the gifts that they choose? Like I, I imagine that like who you're working with in a company can really determine what's going to be given in a lot of ways. Yeah. A lot of times I'm working directly with the business owner, especially if it's a small business and they're wanting to give to their clients. I'll work directly with them. Sometimes if it's a larger organization and it's for the employees, I'll work with their HR department. Sometimes it's working with their sales or marketing team. So it just kind of depends more. It's like depending on who the recipient is and that kind of dictates who I'm working with on on the back end. Hmm. Do the typical organizations plan far enough ahead to get all this done in time? Or do you get a lot of rush jobs? Um, holidays are obviously my most craziest time. I usually my typical turnaround time, I always allow four weeks and that's a little bit generous, but that at least gives us the opportunity to work on those revisions or unexpected delays or that kind of a thing. Holiday time is usually like six weeks. I like to start planting the seed in the summer. And I know that's really difficult because it's like a hundred degrees in Fresno and you're talking about holiday gifting, but there's still a lot of supply chain issues mm -hmm. and things like that going on. And so I always say the earlier, the better I would rather have your holiday gifts delivered to you in October, November, than risk the chance of them coming in late. And so I like to, that's, and that's the beauty of being able to outsource your gifting is that you won't have to worry about the headache. It's, it's on me. So I always encourage people to start thinking about it earlier. And then also you don't run the risk of inventory running out or stock issues or shipment delays and that kind of a thing. Okay. On your site, you mentioned that your gifts typically are in the 75 to 100 something range. Is that, is there a reason for that range? Is that the kind of the range where you found people are the amount they're comfortable spending per gift or is that, or is there another reason for that particular range? Yeah, it's really just typically what I've found historically my clients feel comfortable with spending. I also feel like for a gift to be impactful, it does need to be at a certain value. And a lot of my gifts, it's a whole like unboxing experience. So when you take into consideration just the cost of the packaging itself and all of that, you know, you want to make sure that you still got enough money in the budget to actually provide nice gift items as well. But I'm very flexible. It's a $1,500 minimum and however you want to break that down. Um, but I usually gifts kind of start at $50 to be impactful and really make a statement. Fabulous. I have a couple Fresno related questions I want to ask you now. What are the most common 
uh, types of events or things people company related events that people are hiring you to create gifts for? Is it the holidays? I mean, you mentioned holidays, but what are the, maybe the, some of the other type of events that you're creating gifts for? Yeah, that's a great question. Welcome event or welcome gifts for events like leadership retreats or even for weddings. People, you brides and grooms are wanting to welcome their wedding guests with welcome gifts. We also do gifts to commemorate grand openings. And then of course, as you mentioned, the holiday season, which is typically Thanksgiving through the end of the year. A lot of people now are doing gifting earlier, you know, so that their, their gift stands out in the sea of stuff that comes in at the end of the year. But we also do a lot of gifts to celebrate achievements or milestones. So whether that be hitting a sales goal, closing on a new home, a lot of realtors and mortgage lenders do that, or onboarding new employees or our clients is a popular one as well. What's, what's one memorable gift that you created that just comes to mind when you're thinking about something that you were proud of and crafting something specific for a company that met them right where they were? Yeah. I've had a couple of opportunities to craft gifts that are completely sourced from Central Valley businesses. And I personally really love to do that because I'm a big fan of supporting small and local. And everybody, when you think about gifts that are from the Central Valley, everybody's mind always goes to the ag industry, which is great because I love nuts and dried fruit and all that stuff too. But there's so many other great gift items that are made right here. Everything from like delicious chocolate to ceramic bowls. Even I found a, recently a company that does date night games and like board games and card games and things like that. And so it's just really fun for me personally to find new vendors and things that are made locally so I can support them. Mm, okay. What one thing do you wish Fresno had more of that would make your job easier? Hmm, that's a great question. Another place like Shop at the Avenue or another type of business that Fresno doesn't have? Yeah, I mean, I could, I'm always down for more gift options. I feel like right. that's always something very helpful. Yeah, I think it, people in Fresno do get excited about whatever is the newest and hottest thing, whether it be a restaurant or a shop or a new offering. I just- but What about up for you? What about for you? What would, what would make your- ability to give high quality gifts easier. One thing I do kind of wish is I'm very into aesthetics, right? Obviously, because of what I do. And so items that have beautiful packaging are what excite me about gifting. And so a lot of times I'll come across products, maybe at like a farmer's market, but I want the packaging to be very elevated. And I've been known to even look into repackaging some of the items because I want them to kind of fit the aesthetic of the box, the colors or the brand colors and whatnot. So maybe that might be an opportunity for somebody to kind of come up with beautifully packaged things. There's, I got a, a handful of go-tos, but I feel like I'm always looking for variety instead of using the same. And Enzo's table does a great job with their packaging. They've got beautiful offerings. Their olive oil is really popular. I use that a lot in gifts, but yeah, more, more options like that would be great. Mm. Would you like, if there was a, a place like paper source, but was with much bigger and a lot more paper options, would that be something that would just make you lose your mind? That would be a dream. I would never get out of there. I would spend hours just bruising the shelves. Oh, man. Okay. So something I always ask people towards the end of the conversations is what, where, how, where they work affects how they see a city. So I work in education. And so I tend to look at a lot of things in Fresno as like education problems, education solutions. And that's because that's my kind of my world, right? And what, how, how does what you do affect the way you see Fresno? 
the big things that I, and I'm not from Fresno, but I, and I don't understand why people that are from Fresno hate it so much sometimes, but I feel like Fresno gets a bad rap, right? And so I hope that through gifting and, and sh showing what Fresno has here and highlighting some of the great products that come out of the Central Valley, that people kind of change their mind about dumping on Fresno all the time and saying that it's such a horrible place. I think we've got some really great businesses here. We've got some really great products that come from the Valley. And yeah, I hope that through gifting, I can kind of share more of the great things that are coming out of here. Well, I think what you're pointing to is a broader thing about attention to detail, right? Like that's what I notice in your gifts is attention to detail. And I think that's what makes a place enjoyable to live, a house enjoyable to inhabit, like a, a desk, like I'm looking at my desk right now. And like, there's a lamp right here that's well situated with this plant that's over here. So I have symmetry. I've got a clean desktop. I've got my mug of tea. So everything's in balance. And I think what you do is you pay attention to detail. And then that attention to detail then touches people and makes them feel joy. And I think we can do that as a city in some ways, I think, by paying attention to the details of our neighborhood or our neighbors or our house or trash or whatever it is. I think there's a lot of ways to pay attention to the details. So I'm, I'm right on the same page with you with that. So we always close in the same place uh, with book recommendations. What are a few books you'd recommend to listeners? Yeah. So I typically prefer nonfiction books, usually about business, self-help, history, biographies. And so if I'm going to take the time to read a book, I want to learn something out of it. And How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's a really old book, but there's a newer version of it. So download that. It's more relatable, but the principles are still the same. And so it's just a great book about understanding how to connect with people. And I use it for building personal and professional relationships. It's just kind of one of my go-to's. Fabulous. Okay. Well, where can people find your stuff and how do they go about the process if they want to work with you in building relationships so they can build a specific gift program for their organization? Absolutely. They can go over to our website, which is curatedgiftables.com. And you can book a consultation call with me and we'll chat about the specifics of your gifting project. Or if you're just looking for some gift inspiration and ideas, you can head over to our social media channels. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Curated Giftables. Fabulous. Well, I've had a lot of fun and I feel a little bit more confident in my gift giving uh, with your perspective. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for having this business here in town, you know, and the, and the gift you've given to the city by doing what you do. Oh, thank you, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, you can support this podcast by leaving us a rating and review or by making a financial contribution at our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash Fresno's Best. We'll see you next time.